Production. Recorded live. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathleen Prasad, President of Shelter Animal Reiki Association. I'm here with Vice President of SARA, Leah D'Ambrosio. And our guest today is Dr. Christina Shembro, who is a very well-known holistic veterinarian who has been helping people with alternative holistic healing for many, many years. And um, her expertise is homeopathy, but she has also been trained in Reiki, which is very exciting. And so we've asked her to be here with us today to talk a little bit about Reiki and her journey with holistic medicine. So thank you so much for being here with us. um, Oh, you are so, so welcome. Um, I actually, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'd love for you to introduce yourself um, up to us a little bit um, and tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we kind of get into it. Absolutely. And actually part of introducing myself is getting into Reiki. I graduated from veterinary school in 1980. I was 30 years old and didn't even know what a vegetarian was. Shows how unholistic I was. Although I had done <laughs> a two a two-day acupuncture class with the original founders in the U.S., uh, Grady Young and Marvin Kane, and then did a little research with it that didn't work, and that was it. It was just sort of out the window. Uh, Two years after, a year maybe after I graduated, I was working at a small satellite clinic, and a client came in, asked me to draw blood and send the results to her homeopathic veterinarian. I said, sure and did it, drew the blood, and said, hey, what is homeopathy? She introduced me to it, and I called the veterinarian, who had taken the very first class offered by the National Center for Homeopathy for Veterinarians by George McLeod, who was a British homeopathic veterinarian. He sent me two remedies and said, these are good for cats with bladder problems. Now, nowadays, you know, I didn't know any better at the time, and he had not been trained well enough by Dr. McLeod to know that's not how we prescribe homeopathy. Homeopathy is based on like cures like and matching the entire animal, not based on treating a condition. I set these funny-looking bottles with white pills in them on the shelf, and a few months later, my boss was seeing a cat who had been on antibiotics continuously for three years for a bladder problem. Anytime they tried to stop, it didn't work, and they were now starting to look at euthanasia maybe down the line because of no response. And I said, hey, boss, I've got this stuff that Dr. Tiemann sent. You want to try it? And he said, sure, you ask her. Well, I was fairly timid, and I went in, and I said, hi, I'm, you know, her da-da-da-da. There's this homeopathic medicine that can, that can help. And she said, well, I'll try anything. You know, tell me more about it. Well, I don't know anything more about it. <laughs> the veterinarian da 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 in Columbia sent it to me, and upshot was one week of giving the homeopathic medicine probably twice a day because I was very conventional back then, and the cat was off antibiotics completely for the next nine months I was at the practice. Wow. So the big That's hook amazing. said, okay, start learning this, and that was the mm-hmm. beginning. By 1987, I was doing 100% homeopathy and in my practice and doing a telephone consulting practice. I was speaking. 
I started speaking, 150 people for PETA, hearing about homeopathy, 150 up in Mass in New Hampshire for the New Hampshire Dog Group. Um, and I was just speaking everywhere I could about homeopathy and beginning to learn about holistic medicine in general. I was being treated with homeopathy, and a few years after that, about 1990, I was given a homeopathic remedy that had been very carefully thought out. And within 24 hours, I could not lift my right arm. I couldn't shift gears in my manual transmission. I had to teach my five-year-old daughter how to shift the gears while I did the clutch. And I was in a lot of pain, couldn't write, couldn't pick up a pencil. And somebody said, you know, you could go to the local health center and there's a gal there who does Reiki. And I went, oh, I'll try anything. So I went in, and she did an hour session working on me. And I couldn't figure out why I got this shoulder problem. It didn't fit any of my symptoms. It didn't fit the remedy. It just it didn't make sense. So she worked on me, and I was 60% better. I could shift gears. I could write with my pen. I was very impressed with Reiki. Mm. And then went on to do other things, working with that shoulder, et cetera. But more importantly, she called me the next day and said, I usually don't call people, but I always do a long-distance follow-up for every patient. And your liver grabbed on to me for 20 minutes, so I thought I'd better call you. And all of a sudden, it made sense. A lot of my issues stemmed from an accident I had had where I had had major surgery after the accident. The liver had stored the anesthetics, and it was now starting to... So my body was now releasing the anesthetics that had suppressed symptoms I should have had, and I was now experiencing old symptoms. So I was pretty impressed with both of that. Another year or two went by, and I was, and well, during those two years, I tried to get trained in Reiki, and weird things happened. Classes canceled. They took my deposit like three or four times. I tried to get trained, and it didn't work. So I just sort of, you know, put it on the back burner. And then I had broken my ankle when I was in uh, Costa Rica, and I was teaching a class shortly after that, and it had maybe five or six people who were Reiki, trained in Reiki. And at the first break, they said, would you like us to work on your leg? And I said, sure. And so they put hands on, and then they were chatting and talking. And I said, well, wait a minute, aren't you working on my leg? And they said, oh, well, we can talk and still work on your leg. Reiki is about setting the healing intent. And once we've set that, the energy's channeling through us and doing the healing. We don't have to, like, be quiet or meditate. And I went, oh, that's interesting. And I came back and had dinner, was having dinner or lunch with some veterinary friends, and one of them is a Reiki instructor, uh, Teresa Fulp, and she said, okay, time for you to learn Reiki. What two Fridays are you available, and I'll create a class for you. And I said, okay, gave her the dates, created the class, went to her two classes, still thinking, oh, I'm not real good about this energy stuff. I don't know if it's gonna, if I can do this. Two weeks later, I was teaching a class in Delaware, staying at the home of a woman who was really a dog person. 
she trained dogs, she trained horses, and she had a cat that I petted at about 11 o'clock at night after having taught all day, gone to dinner, and this cat was a mat from head to tail. And I was like, oh, and she, she was so embarrassed. Oh, I hoped you wouldn't see the cat. I've been trying to, I've been trying to clip it with this dog energy instead of cat energy. And I said, oh, you know, let me do it. And she had the scissors, and I worked on that cat for about half an hour. I was three snips from finishing the cat, and the cat said, I've had it. I said, oh, just hang in there. I got two snips. The piece started to fall off as the cat nailed me. Nails in the back of both of my hands, and then as I was extricating from the nails, bit me in the cuticle. I knew that the nail injury takes me seven to ten days. The cuticle bite took two to three weeks usually to heal. I did Reiki that night. The next morning, my hands where the nails had gone in were 100% healed. You couldn't even tell there had been anything happening. Oh, my gosh. My finger with the cuticle was worse. So I taught with my finger sticking in the air or soaking it in calendula and holding it and doing Reiki on it all day long. (laughs) By the second day, about a quarter of a teaspoon of pus came out from that little teeny spot. Pus doesn't develop that fast, I said to myself. (laughs) And then it was healed. So I was sold on Reiki. Now, two weeks or three weeks later, my daughter had a stomach ache, and I offered to do Reiki. She didn't want me to. I did it anyway. She said it didn't help at all. And from that time on, I have become a profound proponent of every single person in the world learning Reiki. Every time I talk to people about what they can do for their animals, And for 35 years, I was a telephone-consulting homeopathic vet with some hands-on work. And for the last two years, I've been coaching people on what they can do to help their animals that are 100% 100 safe. And Reiki is always the top of my list. Reiki trainings are readily available. Reiki calls, if they've been trained by, you know, how to do it with people, they can do calls with Kathleen Uh, working with animals. I tell everybody about Sarah and about how it works with the emotions of animals, and I keep emphasizing through my stories, this is something that's 100% safe. It either works or doesn't work, works a little, works a lot. Everybody should be doing it. What's interesting is I... What I've come to realize is I really encourage everybody to offer Reiki to their entire house, to all the living beings in their house. Because some people have five or six animals, and they go, well, I can't do Reiki on each one. I say, you don't need to. Simply offer Reiki. Sit down for 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever feels right to you, whatever you can do. And if once you've done level two of Reiki, and and even if you haven't done level two yet, if you're somewhere else, if you're away from home, you can still offer this healing. So offer the Reiki every day as the best prevention you can do for, for health problems. And if your animals come over and want you to touch them, definitely do that. I tell a story to people that 
I'm not sure, but what it may have come from you, Kathleen Prasad, of a <laughs> woman who had been trained, in, was had just had her training in Reiki, and she went to the barn to work on her horse. She was sure it was a shoulder problem on this horse. So she started, she put her hands up, and all of a sudden the horse's skin started rippling. She went, this is weird, what's happening? And she just went with it, and it moved her hands back to his hip, and then the rippling stopped. And then she reikied the hip, realizing the problem of the lameness wasn't up front, it was in the back. And the horse then got better. So I encourage people to really just allow whatever happens, happens. And if their animals leave the room, still offer it. Maybe for that day it was too strong for them. So when I teach, Reiki is definitely one of the major things I recommend people do, along with acupressure, flower essences, um, massage, because these are 100% safe. I do let people know about the other really powerful energy healing modalities like theta, theta touch, quantum touch, um, healing touch for animals, uh, reconnective therapy. But those are not as readily available for people to be trained in as Reiki is. And then Reiki offers something that I don't think the others do as much which is to take the bad out of things. And I know that's not quite accurate. That's how I say it, and sometimes I'd say it better. It shifts the vibration of anything you're going to be giving yourself or your animals to be more in tune with the recipient's vibration. So if you're choosing to do heartworm preventative, which isn't 100% necessary, you can reiki the dose before you give it to them. When you get your required, legally required rabies vaccine, and only do it when your animal is well, Reiki the syringe first, then Reiki the injection site, and then offer Reiki as you've been doing for as long as it's needed. If you're not yet trained in Reiki and you need to get a vaccine of some sort, make sure you have a Reiki practitioner at least be offering the Reiki afterwards for a few weeks, in addition to some other holistic things I suggest. So I find, I feel that every veterinary clinic should have people trained in Reiki and that, I mean, they use it in hospitals. I live here in Baltimore, and for the last, I think, eight to ten years, the Maryland Shock Trauma Unit, which is really world-famous, they have all their staff trained in Reiki, and the Reiki is used both for the patients and the families because they've found there's a request for that. Many hospitals, a small town north of me in Pennsylvania, York, Pennsylvania, has at least two hospitals where the nurses are trained in Reiki. So I encourage every veterinary clinic to get trained in Reiki and to, I don't know quite what the word is, I'll use mine, to take the bad out of all the medicines every day. So go to the, have somebody do the refrigerator and do the dispensing heartworm flea stuff and drugs that are there to do Reiki on it. To make sure to take a moment before the veterinarian goes in to see an animal to set the Reiki intent. And they will find that the animals are much easier to work with. They recover faster from surgery. And 
they may be able to help even specific problems. Again, not always, but often. So the wonder, one of the wonderful things about Reiki is that it, even if your intent as a veterinarian or a veterinary technician is to have the animal be as calm as possible, be as receptive as possible to the work you need to do with it, by setting that intent, you're helping the people as well. And if you encourage the people to learn Reiki, maybe by even offering classes in your clinic, then the people will be offering it to all living beings in the house, which means people too. So if the people, which often happens, are contributing to the illness of the animals, they're going to be getting better, and the relationship will be getting better, and the animals will be getting better. So it's a it really is doing a universal healing. And then I also encourage people, if they're feeling like the Reiki they do is mm, maybe helping, mm, I'm not sure how much it helps, then consult a, a Reiki master, either long distance or locally, if their animals are really ill if they haven't reached a place where they feel comfortable about it. Sometimes healing our own animals can be a bit of a challenge. So if they're really ill, I would add a Reiki practitioner into the healing team. So now, does that all make sense? <laughs> it does. Now, Dr. Shambro, at your clinic, do you have Reiki practitioners or are all your staff trained in Reiki? I actually do not have a clinic. As I said, I was doing telephone consulting, and that was really right. all I did. If people wanted to see me in person who were local, they basically, we sat on the lawn or sat in my living room. Uh, so um, it was just me doing the Reiki. And mm-hmm. um, then, as I said, two years ago, I shifted to doing pet health coaching. So I was no longer even being the vet prescribing the mm-hmm. homeopathy, but more coaching them. I consider myself, my place on earth has been to be an educator and to teach people. And, you know, I I was the one that sort of got Gail Pope started on the holistic path with Bright Haven, the wonderful cat, sang- cat <laughs> and other animal sanctuary that you've worked with so much, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. So um, teaching has been my main thing. Uh, there is a veterinarian here in Baltimore who does do Reiki all the time, and I think his staff is trained that way. Um, and it's one of those things, like I wrote a book, The Healthy Animals Journal, where if people would use that book and track the symptoms of their animals from little tiny ones, like what we call at the Holistic Actions Academy, the beam symptoms, behavior, mood, energy, appetite, the early warning signs, of internal imbalance, like goop in the corner of the eyes or a stinky dog, they would use this journal. They'd be able to really catch things early. If they were doing Reiki, they would get a sense that maybe something was off in a part of the body. And and yet still, many practitioners, many clients don't buy the journal. They don't do Reiki. So one of the, you know, one of the challenges is what you all are addressing, which is how can we continue to inspire people who've never heard about this 
or who just haven't made the time in their busy lives to take this on? How can we show this is so valuable that you need to be doing it in your veterinary practice? You need to be doing it in your barn. Imagine if everybody who had a horse barn had at least one or two people that just routinely did Reiki on all the horses in the barn. I mean, that should be worth getting free board for your horse or 50% off your board for your horse if you did Reiki on a regular basis. If you had a kennel, have pay one of the kennel help to take the training and have them, or two or three, so you have one there at all times. That's going to decrease the diarrhea from stress the same way giving Mitamax or another probiotic will decrease diarrhea from stress. Um, so I don't know the answer as to why other people aren't doing it. I didn't because I was doing phone consulting. Right. And where could they get this journal um, that you just mentioned? Yep, the Healthy Animal Journal I have in multiple forms. One is the print version, which is what I first wrote. And anybody who wants to... Like I have um, some people who are holistic breeders, and they'll buy 10 at a time from me at a wholesale rate and then give it or sell it to new puppy owners um, or for veterinarians or bookstores um, so they can buy the print version wholesale for $10 or retail by going to my website uh, for $17.95 plus shipping, and I autograph it. I love autographing my books. That's like the best thing. That's wonderful. It's so much fun. And then I've I've done an ebook for the Healthy Dog Journal, the Healthy Cat Journal, and will it's all written. We just have to get it up and finished. Uh, Dr. Joyce Harmon and I did the Healthy Horse Journal ebook. So those three are available as ebooks from my website. And my website is www.myhealthyanimals.com. Or if that ever doesn't work, just use my name, christinachambro.com. That's wonderful. That sounds like a really helpful journal. Whether you're doing Reiki or not, um, yep. that would be really great to have if you have an animal. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much. So a lot a lot of the members of SARA, um, Shelter Animal Reiki Association, one of the the things that they come up against is is approaching a veterinary clinic and saying, hey, I offer Reiki and, you know, how to get their foot in the door. Would you have any advice for how to approach a vet or a vet clinic as a Reiki practitioner, as an animal Reiki practitioner, I should yep. say? I, I absolutely have some ideas. But first, what have you, what have they told you happened? that they don't even get to see the veterinarian or the veterinarian just says, that sounds weird, I don't want that? I think a combo of those. Okay. First, you want to start with a veterinarian who you're working with for your own animal, whether it's a holistic veterinarian or a conventional veterinarian. So that's number one. With those people, offer to take them out to lunch. This gets them out of the veterinary clinic. They're no longer thinking, oh, I really ought to be clean. Oh, I wonder if that emergency came in. Oh, how's that dog coming from surgery? They're out to lunch or dinner or breakfast or snack, tea, high tea. A lot of women now in the veterinary field that might respond to high tea if you have high tea in your area. 
for a picnic, you know, you, you've gotten to know your vet, so you want to know what it is that they do, or go for a walk or a hike or whatever. Get them out of the clinic to talk to them about it. So that's number one, and offer them something enticing that would be enticing for them. And that would work also in clinics um, that have a that are small and have one veterinarian and one or two staff. Usually, you can get to talk to the veterinarian there. In other clinics, you have a couple of options. Rather than going directly to the veterinarian, find out if there's an office manager and ask to speak to the office manager. They're supposed to talk to anybody who wants to talk to them. They're the filter. And you do your presentation to that person. As with any job interview, you need to do your research. You don't just come in and say, oh, I do Reiki. I can really help your animals. Would you like to hire me? You know, that's not going to work. You need to find out what is missing in that clinic. What are their challenges? And that, that can be difficult, but you can start by asking those questions of the you know, say that say something like, I'd like to meet with the office manager. And you meet, what about? Well, you know, I think I may have some solution, a solution for some of the problems that are common in many clinics, and so I'd like to have a meeting with you about that. And again, maybe take the office manager out to lunch for the same reasons we talked about for the vet. And then say, what are your problems? What are some of your major issues? And then have some research with you, um, you know, how hospitals in that town that are training their nurses with Reiki, use the Baltimore Shock Trauma Unit, um, any, any hard stuff you can have. And uh, Kathleen Lester is, has written and published a really good book on Reiki with some research stuff in it, so that could be used, an excerpt from that. Have specific information, and then say something like, you know, if you can get any interest at all, you know, say they say, well, one of our problems is people don't come back for follow-up visits, or we have some stress among the technicians in the clinic, something like that. And you say, well, Reiki for animals is the same thing as Reiki for people, and it works wonderfully for emotions with animals, and it's works just as well with people. So you may find that by me coming in or your staff getting trained, that could really help that issue. So try to be as specific as you can. The other thing that just popped in my mind is if you're, since you're Sarah, if you're working at a shelter, who's, who is the veterinarian for the shelter? Is there more than one? is and document, have the people running the shelter be able to give you documentation. Ever since we've had Reiki, I know I've seen this on your website, uh, we have a 50% increase in adoptability, et cetera. So that does, that, does that give you a few more ideas? Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Really good. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> 
again, always when you're selling something, the important thing is is to find out what the other person needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the challenges that I always have when I'm speaking to veterinarians, but also when I'm speaking to general pet owners. Um, you know, is they want we all want our animals to live as long as possible. However, and we're often frustrated by what we're told by any one approach. We may not like what the acupuncturist says to us. We may not like what the conventional vet says. When the homeopathic vet says, well, I really don't want you doing acupuncture at the same time because it makes it hard to evaluate, you may not be happy with that answer. And so it may it's very frustrating. That's why I'm so excited about the Holistic Actions Academy, which is www.holisticactions.com, because Dr. Jeff Feynman has created something called the Holistic Medical Decision-Making Process, and HMDM. And it's a way to really empower people to take charge, to set a goal. And I find this is important with doing Reiki as well. Set a goal. Is your goal to immediately get rid of the current symptom or to build health in a way that the body naturally gets rid of the symptom? Reiki does both, but setting the goal ahead of time helps you keep going because maybe the symptom goes away, maybe the vomiting goes away quickly, but you still have a stinky dog or a cat vomiting hairballs. And so if you set your goal for maximizing health, then you'll be more likely to continue doing Reiki. Um, we're offering a course in June that's in person, and I'm going to be teaching acute homeopathy, the whole thing of homeopathy, in very little bites because it's only a weekend course. And we'll be talking about this process of setting a goal, doing research, and then taking action. And then how do you evaluate whether an animal is cured, palliated, or suppressed? cured, temporarily helped, or actually made worse. Um, And so we'll be doing that in June. And I face the same issues that you do when you go to a vet clinic wanting to offer Reiki. I face the issue of what is it that people need to hear to come to this class? I know that if they come to the class, there's going to be huge benefit for them. If they do it streaming, they'll have almost as good benefit. And if they listen to it later on, they'll have great benefit. Just like when you go offering Reiki in a clinic, you know what wonderful benefit there will be. So it's a matter of working the language so you can find out what it is they need to hear. And I guess the last thing, because I just am saying it for myself, is never give up and always keep trying different approaches. And collecting data. That really is very important. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for all of those great ideas. Um, And um, your new class in June sounds amazing. And um, we'll have links and um, information for people to find out about that and and your book and, and your website and all that stuff. And you're doing so much good for so many people with their animals. And you've been doing it for over 30 years, it's pretty 37, incredible. 37 years. 
Wow. <laughs> 38. We're into 1980. Because I graduated in 1980, so I started a year wow. after that. So, yep, 37 That's so amazing. Years. It's great, Very and I've just fun. seen so much improvement. And I, I really want to, I want to remind people who are listening that every time you take a step to use alternative modalities, you're helping the planet as well. And Reiki is a perfect example of this. If you have a dog with diarrhea and you go to a conventional veterinarian, you're going to come home with some drugs. Those drugs, when administered, may stop the diarrhea, but they're going to come out in the stool. And then you'll have extra pills left over that may go in the trash. And they came in a plastic bottle, and they had to be manufactured somewhere and shipped and repackaged and then shipped again. A lot of a big environmental footprint on that drug to stop the diarrhea. If you use slippery elm or marshmallow root, slippery elm might cut down elm trees. Marshmallow root still has to be harvested, dried, packaged, and then you administer it unless you grow your own marshmallow root, and then it doesn't cost a whole lot to the environment. Reiki is zero cost to the environment once you have your training. Yes, you have to drive to get the training or whatever. Maybe you do it online, but there's a little cost to the environment. But then for the rest of your life, you have a way to heal that helps the environment. And having said that, it reminds me that at one point, a Reiki master was offering Reiki and Mother Earth said, hey, how come you never offer it to me? So make a point Sometimes, every time, whatever works for you, to remember to Reiki Mother Earth, to offer Reiki to the water, to offer Reiki to the sky and the clouds, and to live as one with nature. Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you for doing this. All right. Well, um, with that, um, we will thank our guest today for being with us, and I hope that it's been helpful to everyone who has been listening. I know it has for us, for Leah and I. So I'm going to say goodbye, and let me just stop the recording here. <laughs>